So full energy from bed right here Cause they're my enemies Subscribe and like, rate and review Your host of the day B, couple guests too We're gonna win a trophy, we're overdue Can we do the double, make it deja vu It's a move, London ting, girl, but it's only on the wing Harry's one of our own island It's only got one E, but let's see the king And we got Delhi Ali, let's talk Hello and welcome to the Shelf Side podcast. This is episode 13 and I had to think about that so Kwabna you were right. Remembering which number we're on is proving kind of tricky. How are you doing, my friend? Bob, it's long, mate. It's long. It's hard, mate. It's long. It's like you're always... And the thing is, 90% of the time, your first guess is right. But then you second guess yourself, and that messes you up. It's like when you're free on goal, mate. You need to have Jermaine the phone mentality. Just shoot on sight. That's it. The first number that comes into your head, just go it. It's that, that wrong with a podcast later. I know all about that. I know all about that. <laughs> this is episode 99. <laughs> exactly. You can just retract it later. We've got, a, we've got a forgiving fan base. But um, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm a bit nervous, a bit nervous at the moment. But um, I'll explain um, why later. Um, there's all this football that's going on and European connotations, but we'll get into that in a bit. Yeah. I think I think we need to congratulate Mr. Eric Dyer. Uh, he has signed a four-year contract. And love him or loathe him, he will remain at Spurs for the immediate future. Don't know the contract details. Don't know how much he's getting paid just yet. That hasn't leaked out of the media. His agent hasn't put that out there. But um, how do you feel about that, Kwabna? I think he's proven to be very useful at centre back. And oh, say so, that again. Say so, sorry. So could you? He's proven to be very useful. He's proven to be very useful at centre back. I didn't say he was good. I didn't say he's the future. I said he's proven to be very useful at centre back. And. He will be. He will serve a purpose as a squad player, as some, as a very competent backup to whoever we decide our long-term front line is going to be. I think that's Alderweireld and Sanchez. I think Mourinho has made it clear. I kept saying that Dyer would come out of the the lineup, and I, did. I, about the suspension thing. But but then he performed really well. And then it kind of compounded the fact that, yes, Mourinho likes him and he's paid well, so why would he not continue? But I think we've seen that that's the, our best pairing is Sanchez and Alvarez. And Dyer, if we ever want to go free at the back or we need to rest someone, he's a great option to have. So that's cool with me. So Plus, like, the thing about Dyer as well is that he gets, mm-hmm. he, get, he gets what it is to be a Tottenham player. You know, if you looked at him, you would be forgiven for thinking that he came through our ranks. He's that ingrained in the club. I think he's got a great love for the club. And there's been questions over the years about whether certain players know what it means to play for Tottenham, if they even care. Eric Dyer knows what it means and he cares. And for that, you know, I, I always respect him for that. I love Eric Dyer. No, no, relax. Eric Dyer loves me. No, 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 no. Relax, 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 relax. <laughs> Dude, decent job. No. <laughs> you, can, you can stay in the club. You can stay. <laughs> no, I echo what you're saying there. I mean, he climbed into the stands. He's got passion. Uh, I just wanted to double check what you were saying. So in your eyes, you think, and this is your eyes or Jose's eyes, you think he is back up to left-sided centre-back position 
and is um, first name down or third name down on a three-man defence. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 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 100%. 100%. Okay, cool, cool. We'll keep it We'll keep it transfer. We'll keep it um, wages, not wages. We'll keep it transfers. Um, we've been linked with a couple of players this week, heavily linked with Hoiberg, as mentioned previously on this pod. And we have been linked with Kondogbia. Um, a couple of sources on the Kondogbia one. But we'll start with Hoiberg. Uh, somebody a lot of the Spurs fan base want. Uh, apparently Mourinho's number one target. Stripped off the captaincy at Southampton. Clearly one year on his contract. Clearly looking for a move. And we were odds on, nailed on. But, of course, Levy must have put in a bit of a pack of peanuts and a cigarette packet and Everton have come in and bid 25 million if you believe um, the papers and are or were in pole position so I think as it stands Spurs are somewhat confident of sealing that deal but Everton are there and they've put their bid on the table so what do you think about that? I'm very much when it comes to Spurs transfers until someone's holding the shirt I don't believe anything like I just don't, and is that because of William? <laughs> you know, even William, I, I can't even scumbag of life. Um, but like, I just don't, I can't really sign, consign to anything unless I see the, the shirt. I think what I'm encouraged by is that Mourinho knows that there's currently, and you made this point, and uh, it was tweeted on our account about the protective nature that our right-back currently needs. And I argued that there's a chance that you can upgrade a right-back and then you might not need that and then Nombele still not, might not play. But the focus on getting a defensive midfielder, that will allow us to field a midfield of a top defensive midfielder, Nombele and Celso. I might be dreaming, but it, it does <laughs> give me more... more Pause, um, cause for pause when it comes to thinking about the style of football that Mourinho is going to play. So, for me, I'm really encouraged by that. The fact that they've identified Kondogbia as someone who's been on the tails for quite a while. Um, for some reason, it hasn't really happened. He's now 27. That's very much a Mourinho kind of, you know, you've established yourself. You are entering your peak years. Get him in type player. But yeah, a good solid DM. We'll change the completely change the lineups we 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 can play. Yeah, so I'm excited about uh, it. I'm excited too. I do feel though, oh maybe it's just me. I think every Spurs fan is over the moon about a potential DM, and Hoiberg has been on the radio radar for so long, and he's almost declared that he wants to come to Spurs albeit not in words, but it just seems like his agent has done all the talking for him and spread the rumours far and wide. If we don't get Hoiberg, and let's forget about Dogbio for a second, if we don't get Hoiberg, um, does that mean that Levy has royally effed up? And would he have royally effed up over peanuts yet again? It's it's impossible to say like it's impossible to say about the money side. There are always rumours. Every every Tottenham fan thinks they know exactly how much Levy was supposed to pay for a player he didn't pay. Do you see what I mean? 
And it's like, yes, yeah. he's a tough negotiator, but it's hard to believe in some of the instances, it's hard to believe that that's the amount of money he's squabbled over. It's just hard to believe that. It might be it might be the case, but it's difficult to believe that a man who's as true as he is, is splitting hairs over like six mil when you can sell a couple of youth players and make that money. Like it's hard to believe that's the case with some well, players. Well well I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's not I'm not saying it's not true. What I am saying though is that it's hard to believe when I haven't had I haven't heard from sources sat down you haven't sat down with the man. I, I've sat down with the man. I haven't heard from sources that are um <laughs> Are that reputable who have solid numbers to tell me this is how much we could have got him for we didn't get him because we did bid this much money that's never happened but all Tottenham fans are convinced when we don't get a player it's because Levy offered 2p when he should have been offering like 10 mil I don't know right but what I will say okay. is that it is his responsibility to make the most out of the signings that we do have the only way to unlock the NWA's full potential is to get a protective midfielder who can help the right back out if necessary and allow Ndombele to play. I know that, you know that, and he's running a football club. If he can't see that, if he can't see that, then he's an idiot. So I think whether it's Hojbjerg or someone else, whoever, he needs to, he first of all needs to sign a DM. If he doesn't sign Hojbjerg, somebody who's got Premier League experience, leadership experience, come from Bayern Munich, um, and has played really well in a physical league in the, exactly that role, then he's an idiot because he's the audition is perfect. It's done. I think I think he will go and get him. If that's who Mourinho wants, I think he'll get him. I feel fairly com- confident that it will get done. But like I said, I don't believe anything until I see until I see them holding the shirt. Yeah, and just on that Hoivier point, 24, two contracts left in him. So there is a potential for profit that Levy likes, unlike with potentially Kondogbia. It's three-year difference. So the man's there. The man's ready and waiting. Levy, it's over to you, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Not really, it, my friend. If that signing could be as transformational as Wanyama in his prime, as Palacios in his prime, these are the kind of players who fit and fit the mould to solve one particular problem. And they came in, they did it really well. So I think that's how much of a game-changer it could be. We could be looking back and saying, like, when Liverpool signed a top centre-back and a top goalkeeper... They were cool. If we can sign a top centre, a top centre midfielder, defensive midfielder, and we can find sign a top right back, and and hopefully a backup to Kane, then I, I think those those three signings alone could be transformative for the club. Yeah, I wasn't even going to take it there with Liverpool, but that's exactly what I was thinking. If this is the missing jigsaw in midfield, do it, do the business early. Get it done, get him integrated. It's a short turnaround until the start of next season, by all accounts. So get it done. Enoch, Levy, one job to do, at least. Please do it. 100%. Okay, moving on. We had a very convincing victory against a Champions League elect side in Leicester City, albeit they were missing four or five of their key players. Uh, But Vardy was still there. Uh, Tillemans was still there, Iozzi Perez was still there, and Harvey Barnes, Michael, uh, and Evans were still there. So still a few players, but admittedly they were depleted. Uh, we won 3 0, if you didn't know. Uh, Kane with two and an own goal from the young right back, Justin. And we had 29 point something possession, which was our lowest. 
possession stats for a home game since Opta stats began in 2003. So, how are we doing this, Gobner? Um, well, this is the thing. This is like proper pragmatic Mourinho. And I think there's going to be a period of time where this is the way we're going to play until we have the players he wants and the players that he has have been molded into it makes we can probably be a little bit more expansive. I don't expect it to be, you know, a Johan Cruyff, Pep Guardiola style type of football, no. But I think it'll be more attractive once he has the players playing the way he wants them to play. I think what we've missed from our time with Pochettino is we had a great way of playing and we enjoyed it. It was it was very much in the tradition of Tottenham, but it wasn't always pragmatic. So even when our defence was super tight, we had a great period of time where our defence was super tight and we were scoring loads of goals and it was great. But then when it came to certain games, we weren't pragmatic. And I think that's what Jose Mourinho is saying that he can do now. He's showing that he can be pragmatic at the time. So, I mean, I don't like it, but it's effective and I'll take it because... Right now, the most important thing is for us to secure European football. I mean, I don't care what people say about it being a second-rate competition. It is a second-rate competition, but based on the season we've had, that's what we deserve. And I'd rather have that 40 mil than not to play in the competition and use that money wisely, blood in some youngsters whilst we're having to force rotations and potentially win something. So, you know, I I think it was a good win that he got his tactics spot on. Um, We faced more shots on target than we've had against any other team. Um, and, I mean, it wasn't, at times it wasn't pretty, but there was a lot of positives to take from that game. Mora had a good game. Kane was fantastic. Um, defensively was solid. You know, there's a lot to take from that. If we can build on that, I'd be happy. But you must have enjoyed the first half. Surely, even though we didn't have great possession, we we gave up 30 shots. Uh, Lloris made a good few saves. They weren't all in the first half. We were 3-0 up after, I can't remember how long it was, but in the first half, Kane scored two really good goals. Uh, like you said, Lucas played well, got two assists. Sonny was sharp. Must have been enjoyable. I mean, I don't want to lie. It's not, it wasn't, it wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't enjoyable in that sense. Like it wasn't, the thing about Tottenham is, yes, they frustrate you and it's always they always say it's the hope that kills you with Spurs, but the way we play football is always enjoyable. With this, what's happening right now is that we are having a we're having ten second spurts where there's a nice bit of football which ends in a goal, and then you go back to like the dogged stuff. Like we spend a lot of time in our own half, man. We spend a lot of our time in our own half in a game where we won three 0 That is so odd to me, but I've just got to accept it because that's just currently where we are. And it's how we're playing. It's what we've got to do for the period of time. So, like I said, I'm happy for it to happen now. I don't want to say I, it wasn't the worst thing in the world for me to watch. I'm not going to pretend that it was that it was that tough. But I think I'd, I'd also be lying if I said I enjoyed it. I didn't really enjoy it, but you know, I'm happy to get the win for sure. The W is always important. Yeah. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. Uh, obviously, we touched on this last week in depth. Uh, you've touched on it here. The pragmatism, the 10-second spurts of quality, which are resulting in shots on target and invariably goals where you've got Harry Kane and Son in form. So you get the victory. Uh, what do you think happens against the top side uh, when, if and when, we concede first? 
and don't hit back straight away. I think Sheffield United is an example of that. But let's look at one of the real traditional top four. Man City have loads of possession. Liverpool, who are strong all round. Uh, Man United, say, next season. We play this way. We go a goal down. Now we have to go at the opposition. Do they pick us off? What happens? I think it's going to be really difficult to pick us off the way he, the way um, Mourinho set us up to play. I think it's going to be almost impossible. But we have to attack. We're 1-0 down. Yeah, Can I we think... just settle for a 1-0? I, I don't think... That, I think that's the case. I think it's one of those things where... Even if you look at it, when we... Count, there was a stage where with Pochettino, we started to play more counter-attacking football. But when we did so, it was almost like our whole team would go flooding forward. Our, our full-backs would be going... Uh, two, at least two to three midfielders were going and then, you know, Kane was going. So it felt like our whole team was sliding forwards. What we found in this system is that when we do counter-attack, you'll see Aurea, you'll see Son, you'll see Lucas, you'll see Kane and maybe the Celso. So the whole structure of it is different. So it's a lot harder to pick us off because even if you get past that front line, there's another low block, block waiting for you. So I'm not as concerned about that. I don't think we'll be able to fuck us off. I think what will happen is if we go down to a good side, we'll just continue to wait for our chances to come, perhaps probe and be patient. But I don't think we can get picked I don't think you will end up getting picked off and like losing, like, I don't know, 3-0. Sheffield United was a anomaly in that we, we fielded, I don't even how many attacking players? Like our whole midfield was was it felt like we played four wingers in Kane. <laughs> the whole yeah, setup was like weird. That. Yeah, the whole setup was weird. That's not going to happen again. It's just not. It's not feasible. So I'm not concerned about that. I don't think. I don't think we're, we're going to set up in a way that's going to see us be picked off. That that I'm not concerned about. Not necessarily picked off. I guess more to the point where, let's just say a Chelsea, not a City who will always go forward, but a Chelsea who may sit off and wait for us to attack them, being that we're 1-0 up, and we haven't been that fluid in unlocking defences. So when there's no space because a team isn't bombing forward and trying to attack us, and how do we then cope? Because we don't have that Cam playmaker, Dombele may not be playing. How do we adapt next season? I guess time will tell, but it's something that I'm a bit weary of. In all of the pragmatism and the good results that we face so far, I don't think we have been in that position too often. And when we have been, it may be an anomaly, but we lost 3-1. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely hear that. It's something to think about and it's interesting to see what we do to combat that. But I, I also think that we us being hard to break down. It depends on how many teams are going to want to spend their whole game trying to chip away at us. We'll see. It'll be, I think it's more a battle of wills. When it comes to that kind of thing, but I'm I'm also interested. And we've to see got how Mourinho. We, we do, man. It's a stubborn goat, but <laughs> he gets it done. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So let's not squabble over that. We've got the W. That leaves us nicely placed for an attack on the Europa League positions. But trying to work out the permutations was a bit confusing, and as we speak now or as we record, Liverpool are currently playing Chelsea and they were 4-1 up. The last time I checked, it was 4-3. Have you had a cheeky peek? I haven't, but I can do. Let's have a look and see where this 
game is because Liverpool, this game impacts Liverpool us. won. Liverpool won. That's Liverpool what we needed. Five three. Okay, the score's not so important, but we needed Liverpool to win, and why we needed Liverpool to win is because Chelsea now need to get a positive result on Sunday. Man, you messed up earlier in the day, which meant Chelsea probably only needed a draw tonight to be confident. But as it stands then, the table going into Sunday has Chelsea fourth on 63 points. Man, you are third with 63 points. Leicester are fifth with 62. So this is important because Chelsea play Wolves. Right, so Chelsea need to have something riding on that game, and they now have something riding on that game. And why is the Wolves' um, connection important? Well, Wolves sits six, as we all know, and six is the last guaranteed Europa League spot. And we are going for Europa League, and we sit seventh. We're fortunate that we can't finish lower than seventh, but seventh may not be good enough for Europa League if. Those lot down the road win the FA Cup. So if they win the FA Cup and we finish seventh, this will be Chelsea all over again. But even more embarrassing, because we don't have the Europa League to then fall into, we will fall out of Europe to our enemy from Woolwich. So we need to beat Palace on Sunday and hope that... Wolves do not get more than a draw. Because if Wolves win, obviously we can't catch them. If Wolves draw, we can overtake them. If Wolves lose, we can overtake them. But we can only overtake them realistically with a win. I think there's a permutation whereby we can draw and they lose. Yeah, if they lose and we draw, then we have a better goal difference. So we will finish six. But I say we win and hope Chelsea don't lose to Wolves. It's the best permutation. And would you believe, Kobna, there's a further permutation to this. What's the last one? If, if all goes wrong on Sunday and let's just say we finish seventh. Yeah. And Arsenal win the FA Cup then we are out of the Europa League. We have to then sit and wait for Wolves to somehow win the Europa League, qualify for the Champions League via winning the Europa League. That would mean five English clubs get into the Champions League. That means six, seven and eight should be Europa League spots. And then we may scrape into that competition. But again, that would be embarrassing because that would mean Arsenal have won the FA Cup and Wolves have won the Europa League. And we were supposed to be better than both of these sides and we have been for the last four seasons. Don't even want to talk about it. Do not even want to talk about it. <laughs> Just want to focus on getting that win against Palace. Hopefully they're on the beach. And, you know, yes, I do want Europa League football. Um but I just Say it again. Say it again. You want Europa League football? Yeah, 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 I do. I do. 100%. 100%. I, I don't even... I buy into this idea of t- like Tottenham being too good for it. Like, what, we haven't even... Like, we haven't won a European trophy since 1984. Like, 
I'm not in this business of just telling our nose up thinking that we deserve a seat at the table. Based on this on this performance this season, we don't deserve to play Champions League. That's a fact. So let's go out there and try and get the best result we can in the in Europa League and build on. That's it. I don't have that sense of well, entitlement. Well, in order to do that, we need to beat Palace. Uh, we Palace do. Have... That's exactly. So I'm just focused on. I'm just focused on that result. That's it. What everyone else does. Don't don't even want to think about Arsenal going in there winning um winning the winning their third cup. Like that's. I don't want to think about it. Okay, but you've been a Spurs fan long enough to recognise this. I'm just going to put this stat, which I believe is accurate, um, out there. So I believe Palace won their first game of the restart and have lost every game since. So I think they sat ninth at one stage and then have tumbled. And we've been Spurs fans long enough to know that streaks can end against us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say no. We've got a job to do, man. There's one thing I know about Mourinho. He knows how to beat professionals. They're going to go out there and get it done. Is the chef going to be Italian? I don't, you know what? I can't, I can't even joke about that, you know. I'm still, like, traumatised. I'm still traumatised with that experience. I don't even want to... Oh, Andrew, why, 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 why? Anyway, let's move on. Not, not talk about it. Not talking about that at all. At all. <laughs> You're just closing your eyes. Yeah. Was yeah, it like yeah. four more sleeps? Wake up and we're in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. I think. I think they. I don't. I don't know if they've got any major injury concerns. Um, but we have a full squad to, to pick from. We just got to go and get it done. That's it. Okay, so no, no drama then is what you're saying to me. No drama, man. No drama. Let's get it done. Keep it moving. Okay, well, speaking of drama, there was some drama on our Twitter account <laughs> a couple of nights ago. Uh, we posted about Dyer's contract and Tanganga's contract, and I and the question was posed uh, to the public. Who, if we could only choose one, who would they rather? Um, they chose Spurs to re-sign, and everyone was erring on the side of Tanganga because he's younger, probably a better prospect, maybe a better player right now. So then we posed the question, would Spurs fans be happy if Spurs paid Tanganga the 25000 which is rumoured um, that he wants? And by the way, listeners, I think that was Kwabana opening up his um, Round Trees random that he's at the moment dining on. Um, I thought I'd share that with you. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, Expose you. Yeah, you're not wrong, though. <laughs> so, yeah, we asked the question, should Spurs pay Tanganga 25000 And in the little group that we're in, the fan cam group, uh, the question, we had a little debate in there. Well, I had a debate with MJ. Um, and, yeah, a lot of people seemed divided on this. I mean, it, the debate was still going on today. So first of all, Kwabna, where do you stand on this? Should we pay Tanganga 25k a week 100%, 100%, or not? 100%. 100%. He's, he's, he's been at the club um, since youth. He's got to like 21, 
turning 22, I think, fairly soon. He's been patient, man. A lot of a lot of other players have come and they haven't got their shot and they decided they want to go elsewhere. He's had opportunities to go abroad. He's, he's stayed at the club. Like, to me, he's shown a willingness to try and succeed at Spurs. What is 20... Like, in this day and age, what is 25k? It's nothing, man. Hmm. Pay him the money. Okay. He's got the versatility to play against... to play in two positions. He is someone who understands the inner workings of the club. He's performed whenever he's been given the opportunity. 25k. I mean, I, people who cry like it's their money, man. They just need to relax. Like, I understand... I understand the frustration and thinking where you're allocating resources, but it's not like we're buying Tangango for like 50 mil. It's 25k, which we can more than afford to pay him. He's done everything that you'd, you'd expect um, a young player to do. He's coming through. I'm sure people would rather pay him that money than for him to leave and join Chelsea, United, whoever. So, yeah, pay him the money, man. I don't know. Do you, do you not feel like he should be paid? How do you feel about it? So, let's add some context to it, right? I think that's important. I think everyone should understand that this man has only made his debut, um, I think it was November, against Liverpool and played really well. Uh, so only made six Premier League starts. Uh, I think he's featured in 13 games and the majority has performed well. There have been a few duds, which is to be expected. So there's an argument that he's not proven. But I think if you watch football, you understand that this guy has potential, star potential for a defender and is versatile, has power and dynamism, senses danger. I think if you look at his highlight reel, you'll see he's made two or three clearances off the line. And to ask yourself, how many other Spurs centre-halves have actually made clearances off the line? And that's a key thing for me, as I've mentioned on this pod before, someone who senses danger. But arguably, it's still only six games. But the uniqueness of the situation is that we know... The likelihood is Jan will be leaving next season. Um, there sh- probably won't be one fourth. And in addition, KWP may be a make weight in the Hoybiog deal. So we don't have right back cover right now, not a specific right back. We have players that potentially could play there, but not someone whose role that is. I know it's not Taganga's role but he has covered there admirably and left back and we're losing two centre-halves. So the unique situation he finds himself in, he's a first-team regular, may not be a starter, but he's a first-team regular who can cover admirably, has come for the youth team, is English and has been relied upon. So I think he should ask for those kind of figures. However, Alton Farewell, Anthony Gardner, I'm not just saying these because these guys are black as well, but these guys came into the side and these guys showed some promise. If you if you ask my brother, Gardner never showed any promise and then fell away. I don't, I don't think he did ever. <laughs> but they fell away. Well, Autumn fell well. I think he made his debut with Ledley against Liverpool and played well, right? And showed some promise but fell away. So I think there's that danger. And then there's also the argument that Phil Foden is only on £12,000, which is what close to what Tottenham offered 
Tanganga if rumours are to be believed. So if you take six games, 13, six games in the Premier League, 13 games overall, um, £12,000, which is paid to Phil Foden weekly, who's obviously a star of the future, without doubt, why should Tanganga be paid more? Because Phil Foden is playing in a team which allows him, it's set up and allows him, and he's also in a position that gives him the freedom to do what he's doing without the responsibility that Tanganga has, right? So, Phil Foden, yeah, he's performing well, etc. but there's no denying that right now he's a nice-to-have. Tanganga isn't a nice-to-have. He's someone who is actually necessary. Given that we are giving up, we've pretty much given up in one fourth, and that makes sense because he's made some unforgivable errors and he's shown a lack of composure. The things that we are missing in one fourth we are gaining in Tanganga. We're probably going to sell one for if it's all if everyone kind of is resigned to doing that. So the money that we lose in one for if we should put in someone that we have faith in. Everyone will talk about how Phil Foden's being paid 12k or whatever he's getting paid a week. At the end of the season, Phil Foden's going to get a pay bump. He's going to get a pay bump, and they're going yep. to give him a new contract. They'll secure it. But then where will the argument go? Out the window. Well, so, the, yeah, the argument me, could say that Phil Foden has sat on 12 grand for this season or for two seasons but i think he was always guaranteed a pay bump whereas tanganga and his agent may not believe or feel as confident that if they sit on 12 that levy will bump them right and that and that is and that is fair man city have the a different level of resources to us there's no there's no demand that i think and you know stevie wonder could see that but it doesn't change the fact that there's a need that's being met by him right now and one that is not only going to be serving for us right now, but also long term. So I, if I'm in control of the club, I'm going to pay him that money. I, I would pay him. And if we don't, if we don't, we just need to prepare to lose him. That's it. We just need to prepare to lose him because if you don't pay, in this, this is a, football is a business. People need to remember that, man. It's a business, and if you don't pay people what they believe they're worth, and you can't come to an agreement, then you'll lose them. It's that simple. It's that simple. Tanganga is asking for twenty five k. I'm like, pay them 25k. Pay them 25k. We've got people who are earning way more than that on our bench and they don't even look like they're paying. So, to me, 25k, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think we should play heads with that at all. And for once, you didn't pipe up. You've got all this to offer and you didn't pipe up on the Twitter. Sometimes you, sometimes you need to let the people here that have their voice, man. That's it. Sometimes you've got to let the people talk and just listen. Be an observer. They certainly did that. They certainly did that. And how much do you think it would cost for Spurs to replace Tanganga, given everything we've said? Um, Someone ready-made, someone homegrown for that homegrown um, um, marker that we need to hit. I think it's eight homegrown players and obviously someone who's versatile. How much do you think that's going to cost? I think people need to realise that um, if you want people are talking about signing someone like Max Ahrens, right? And if you're signing someone like Max Ahrens, you're going to be paying at least, at least you're going to be paying maybe 30 to 35 mil. On top of his wages, for that amount of money, he's going to be paying at least 50 mil a year, uh, 50 mil a season. 50 mil a season, 50 grand a week, <laughs> right? Yeah. Sorry, I was, talking, I was thinking about Andrew's finances. Um, <laughs> you think about Man City. 50 grand a week. So when you compare all of that, would you not rather keep Tanganga and pay him the... The 25k? Yeah, I would. I mean, I would. My answer is definitely keep him. You have to compare it to the market, man. That's what people like. The market changes all the time. Summer is about to start. 
when summer when summer starts and the transfer window is open, all bets are off. No one knows. Look at look at when Neymar when Neymar went for two for was it two two hundred and twelve mil? Two hundred twenty two. Yeah, two hundred twenty two million euros. Right. Second, he did that. The landscape changed. Everyone else's fees went up. Everyone else's fees went up. If we can secure Tanganga now for twenty five thousand pounds a week, right? Now, someone you can play right back and centre back. When you're you're not you're not certain that people are going to go out there and actually get like the Max Aaron's or whoever at all, whoever it might be available of this world. It's just smart business to secure it now. And all the people who are crying about the man he's getting paid are just being short sighted. Because they're the same people who will cry when we can't get right back when there's one sitting in our club. So give him twenty five k to keep him moving. Left back, I might add as well. He's played there and he yeah. looked comfortable there. He looked comfortable, man. He looked comfortable. So, yeah. Pay him. Pay him. Do yeah. How do you feel, last point on this, how do you feel about paying him 15, performance-related, if he plays X number of games next season, he gets bumped automatically to twenty twenty five because I, then he's proved that he's an essential first-teamer? I actually think that's actually closer to um, the structure that will happen. I think that they will find ways to incorporate it. And if, that, if that's the way they're going, that's cool. Because it's up to him to remain motivated. A lot of Tottenham contracts are heavily performance-related. Heavily. It's the only way we can afford to do it. So, yeah, if that's the way it is and he's happy to sign it, just get in front of it, man. If he doesn't want to sign it and he says no, then we continue to negotiate. That's what that's what it is. But yeah, I'm more than happy for them to put that across. He's a young player. He's, he's still developing. That hunger and desire needs to be there. And however you foster that, however you push it through, you know, we'll see. Okay, so that's that drama. On to another drama that has started to creep into our subliminal space, subtly and not so subtly, leaked footage of Mourinho calling a lot of people are saying we have to be clever C-words and the likes of the All or Nothing Spurs Amazon Fly on the Wall documentary is going to happen. The end of the season is Sunday. It wouldn't surprise me if they released it the following week or the week after. Episode one to five must already be um, available. How are you feeling about this fly in the wall look into probably our worst season in five years? Can't lie to you, man. Not interested at all. Like, I just don't want to see it. I just don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. <laughs> like, as Tottenham fans, we've all been there when we are... I guess we've all been there when we are looking at a match that isn't going the way we want and we anticipate it's going to end badly. This is a series we know is going to go well and we know it ends badly. Why would I want to relive that? People are like, oh, we get an insight into the club and things we don't see. And I, there's just no knock on anyone who wants to watch it. Like, I completely understand the intrigue. I completely understand the unveiling of some of the aspects of the club we don't get to see. I completely understand why you'd want to look at that. But me personally, and this may change, Right now, as you ask me today, sitting here, Andrew, I've got no interest in watching it because this has been... The reason why this has been such a difficult season for me personally as a Tottenham fan, and some people might be able to relate to this, is because of the relative in, in success and enjoyment 
we've had over the previous like four years. The last eighteen months have been dreadful, and that's the side. That's the that's so Tottenham that that's what they decide to capture. It's yeah, it's frustrating. So I mean, I'm not really looking forward to it, but we'll see. So you watched the last dance, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I know you did. Have you seen many other sporting um, documentaries? Watch. Um, I haven't finished it, but um, I've watched quite a bit of um, Man City's um, All or Nothing. Um, I want to watch. They have one in the Carolina Panthers. I'm. I know about the NFL. I'm not a massive NFL fan, but I am very intrigued to to see how that goes as well. So, wait, think, wait. Last week you're quoting Belichick, and now you're telling me you don't really know about the NFL. I mean, I know enough to. I know enough to have to a conversation by. with anyone and not, and not feel like an idiot. Like, no one's going to make me feel like an idiot when it comes to it, but that's just, you know, it's important to know a little bit about everything. Um, so, yeah, I'm not a huge NFL fan, but I know a lot and, like, I know enough to get by. I've got friends who work for the NFL as well, so, um, and who are very there knowledgeable. Sure enough. They're, sure they're very enough. knowledgeable, so they help me out. But, um, yeah, I think, I think the good thing about those documentaries are the insights of clubs that you don't know you don't have any affiliation with you to kind of want to know their story but it's different from doing that to like it's like the difference between watching a, an independent like film made in hollywood and then t- someone taking like a home video you know doesn't end well and then put it on tv like that's the difference i don't to me there, there isn't a, a redeeming aspect of this potential series for me i don't know we 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 sack the most popular manager we've had in our lifetime. Um, some may say ever, I don't know, but definitely in our lifetime. And then we hire one of the most divisive play um, divisive coaches in that time. We lose some of our, you know, favorite players of all time. We see the team that was built up and got so close. So you had way to not be in that. And then we haven't got to see the new kind of Phoenix rising from the Ashen type situation because they're going to, finish it before we get to see what Mourinho can actually do so for me there, there aren't very many redeeming qualities so I, I, I'm a bit different I feel like okay. I, I I I was exactly where you were uh, December January February definitely crashing out of the Champions League I was like what a load of Muppets we're going to look like and I still think we're going to look a bit bad. Don't get me wrong. But lifelong Spurs fan, I've been fortunate enough to be friends with footballers. So I've got a good understanding of what goes on in the look dressing who, look room. Who show, look who's showing off now. You look wanted to mention NFL and all of that stuff, blah, blah, blah. And you met, you met Trevor Noah. I haven't forgotten that. So anyway, yeah, can I tell my, my story? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Did you say that's my boy? Yeah, yeah, me and Trevor go way back. Speedo, yeah? Okay. (laughs) So, but I still am intrigued. You've got the new stadium. You've got Poch going. You've got the 7-2 to Bayern. You've got Mourinho coming in. How did the players react? What do they feel like? You've got us crashing out of the Champions League. You've got us in literally dire, climbing up the stands. What was the reaction to that? You've got so many key points. I've missed many. You've got the Son goal. You've got the Kane injury. You've got the Son red cards. And then 
like any good drama, you have such awfulness, terrible, and, it, and it, they don't like to end on a low. And lo and behold, the season may somewhat be rescued this Sunday if we get into the Europa League. And they will easily spin that narrative on Amazon to make that seem like an achievement and the start and the beginning of this phoenix rising from the ashes. And then when you look at Mourinho's record come Sunday, if we beat Palace, I don't know this for sure, but already Mourinho's like, the fourth most points gathered since his appointment of all clubs. And this will be, if we beat Palace, five wins on the trot. It will be unbeaten in, is it six? It could potentially be, and I maybe, maybe I've been smoking something called something's in the air. I don't smoke, by the way, but maybe I'm just on a high. But if we think about Leicester, the season they won the league, and everyone keeps on telling me Mourinho's a winner, the season Leicester won the league, they were in a slightly different position. They were relegation candidates. They fought through, got themselves out of it, went on a run, and they continued that run next season, and they ended up winning the league, playing a pragmatic system, counter-attacking football, defence first. Or am I just getting too excited? Getting too excited. And it's the Amazon. I'm getting yep. too excited, yeah? Yep. Okay, but... Yeah, I was thought it's a documentary. Yeah, they want they want to see they want to see they want to see the travesty they want to see the they want to see the drama of it all falling apart all that unraveling that's what they want to see. It's like a good movie, but we'll have all of that and then we'll have that success at the end. So it's going to make for compelling viewing. I challenge any Spurs every single Spurs fan. If you tell me you're not going to watch that, I guarantee you you will. You will because you want to know the insight. You will because everybody else will be talking about it. You will because your Arsenal, your Chelsea, your whoever fans will be watching it too. And they're going to rib you about it at points and then you're going to want to watch it. I challenge any Spurs fan not to watch. Is it eight episodes? I challenge. Let me know. Let us know on Twitter if you don't watch it at all. But I think you're lying. I mean, I'm, I might be that person, but we'll see. We'll see. You said you wouldn't watch the football when it came back. Um, I, I also, mm-mm. I said I wouldn't watch the German league, and I didn't. Yeah, you did. You did. I was trying to just pro yeah, it. Yeah, look at first getting sent the retraction. Okay, but that's like a is a bit Hollywood. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be insightful regardless of how it goes down, regardless of whether we don't qualify for Europe um, at the end of this season. It's definitely going to be insightful. And yeah, it may be a bit of crash drama for a Spurs fan, but I think it will be compelling viewing. And hopefully it gets high ratings and hopefully Amazon still want to have the naming right and we can say welcome to the Amazon. So that's what I'm hopeful of. I'm being the optimist today. Um, and yeah, it's Hollywood. It's Hollywood. It's going to be Hollywood. And speaking of Hollywood, right, I forgot to shout out the new cities, right? And listen to the three new cities we've got this week and tell me what you think. New York. Okay. Moscow. Moscow. Tel- and Tel Aviv. Moscow. I just did not see us getting all the way out there. Man, thank you, people. Well, can you for, believe it? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, people. The, I mean, New York is, um, yeah, I mean, that's obviously a great city. But I think because of, I think there's quite a big 
American like Spurs fan base. Uh, yep. I feel like we, we, I feel like we're like the hipster's choice of like Brooklyn. So um, that doesn't sound, <laughs> that doesn't feel as as, as surprising. But um, yeah, that's Moscow is crazy. But listen, New York, Moscow, and Tel Aviv. Doesn't that sound like the three cities you might hear of in a US drama or a Hollywood movie? Rightly or wrongly, because obviously. We know why Moscow and Tel Aviv might be mentioned in a US drama, but doesn't it sound like Hollywood to you? I mean, it sounds like by New York, it sounds like um, it sounds like a Europa League run. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> well, it could well be a Europa League run. Let's hope it is a Europa League run, and we get more listeners from those regions next season. That's the plan. That's the plan. Okay, well, I think that's it from episode 13. Thank you to our regular listeners. Thank you to our new listeners. Thank you to our new cities. Keep listening. Keep sharing. And I'm going to hand over to my main man, Kobna, to sign us out. Thank you again for listening. Um, We appreciate every single time. Um, Do follow us at ShelfPod on Twitter, where we get into loads of rants and debates and sharing of ideas, a pool of ideas. Remember to pass the pod, give someone the gift of the Shelfside podcast and get those reviews in. We really appreciate it. Five stars only because we only give you five star content. Um, but yeah, we will be back next week for uh, hopefully a positive review of the season. Hopefully we've ended on a high, but we'll see. In the meantime, it's a good night from me. It's a good night from me. Time to run the outro. Side for the show side, for the show side, for the show side, for the show side, for the show side.